We are coming to you with the unspoken words. This is a Red Road Perspective. With humility, experience, reflection, and that unique style of indigenous humor, we discuss the issues that affect our mind, body, spirit, and emotional well-being as natives in recovery. Sobriety, community, accountability, transparency, and service work. Uh, hope. Yeah. I don't know why I gotta be married for Christmas. Yeah. I can't be Jesus or David or one of those guys. Unspoken word. Episode 112. The emergency episode. Hey. Hey, uh, hey, uh, hey. Do you guys know that? No. Emergency. 112 is the emergency telephone number. So if you dial 112. It's a common emergency telephone number that can be dialed free of charge for most mobile telephones and in some countries. Fixed telephones in order to reach emergency services, ambulance, fire and rescue, and police. What happened to 911? Yeah, 112. I don't know. 112. Google. You can't just have 911 for the last (laughs) 75 years and all of a sudden it's, oh, 112. Who's going to remember that? I don't know, but all I know is <laughs> room 112 is where the place play is well. Yes, oh. sir. Oh, I need to know where we stand. Where we stand. Do we share this special <laughs> thing called love? Love. I know I do. <laughs> what about you? You. Oh, baby, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was pretty good. That was good. Ad libs. One twelve, baby. Love. <laughs> Did you guys used to listen to One Twelve? A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, I remember I that song. Them. I was down with them. You didn't listen to them? No, I don't think so. Man, that's baby making music, yo. Huh. <sighs> Just had to take a drink. One, one, two, baby. One, twelve. Hey, ah, hey, yo. A hundred and twelve different outfits. (laughs) (laughs) That was a dumb one. That cracked me up. Yeah. So over here to my left, all the way from L. Jesus, number 83 in the place to be, the pod Gotti, Randy, say shoulder. Shoulder. Uh And over here to my right, all the way from Papa, I know, I know, I know, hey, I know, hey, I know, hey, hey, he's your favorite Indian, your hoe in one, JC. Say hoka hey. Hoka hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good day to die. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd that one come from? That is straight up fake, huh? <laughs> hoka hey. <laughs> hoka hey. <laughs> Oh, snap. Hey, and you know me, Mo Hugs, not drugs, all the way from up the road in Arrow Creek. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh Episode 112. Uh oh. Just east of the teardrop. Just right over there. Right over there. Right below the Castle Rocks. If you get to the Castle Rocks, you went too far. 
<laughs> Pippa bitchy, go back. Yeah. Just don't go commando. Don't go. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Dog, I seen a meme today on the internet. There's this guy walking with this beautiful girlfriend. He's kind of chunky. And now he's on some like low rise shorties, bro, like some Daisy Dukes and the thong sticking out in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I so see like, that one. What, did the, what does the caption say? It said when only her luggage came through, but it's not going to ruin your trip or something like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> so he's wearing like her stuff. He's wearing her stuff and barely fits. <laughs> Fuck, that tongue is all the way up his back. <laughs> like halfway up his back, too. <laughs> you could just see it. That's what they're reminding me of. Yug. <laughs> Uh, gone. The struggle is real. How was your guys' week, man? Well, for starters, mine was terrible. Started having a headache on Monday. I was like, man, I was super busy at work. Then I had to go to a youth drum group, run that. Man, I just had a headache. <clears throat> and then, um, man, I was in bed by like eight. Yeah, like eight o'clock Monday night. I was in bed. Uh, tried to tough it out at work. Um, Thought I had food poisoning or something. Turns out I had the flu. Yeah, I slept all Tuesday night. Wednesday, I uh, was able to work from home because all my stuff was virtual. All my meetings and stuff, presentations, whatever. Uh, yeah, it felt weird, man. I was just like not even. Like it was, it was like so bad. Like yesterday, man, I like barely had any energy to do anything. Like I went, I left our house. Went and picked up my daughter from school and went back to the house and I had to take a nap. Like, that was the only time I got up all day, too. Like I was Just mad. wiped I was, you out. Yeah, I was like drained. Influenza? I don't know. Something. I did. I took a COVID test. It wasn't COVID, though. I know like three different people that have influenza A right now. Man, could be. Yeah. Uh, Going around. But, I, yeah, most people were like... <clears throat> Talked to some people from work. They said that yeah, usually people go through like your symptoms. What you talking about? Like in like two weeks span. Damn. They said, "Did you get your flu shot?" I said, "Yeah, I went. To, I got it a couple weeks ago." And they're like, "Oh, that's probably why you're like you're going through it faster." And I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." Never got the flu shot yet. Me neither. Yeah, I was, man. <laughs> I was going to the last time I was in Crow. She goes, "Okay, I'll go get your flu shot," and then she left. But then they took me to. X-ray right after that or something. Oh, to go get blood test. Wow. Blood draw. Blood draw or whatever. Yeah. And then when I, then I never did see that other lady. Huh. Yeah, she never did come back. Weird. Weird, weird. So I didn't get Yeah, that. the body aches were bad. Like it was my hips. I wonder, I think, what was it? My body. <laughs> I my thought you were going to say, my hips don't lie. I thought you going to go down with that. But my body, <laughs> my body's telling me yes. Yeah, baby, I don't want to give the flu to nobody. Nobody, but there is something that I must confess to you. To you, go ahead, JC. My body. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna do the next verse. <laughs> I don't see nothing wrong. <laughs> with a little <laughs> That's the only part I know So I always turn it off after that <laughs> <laughs> That's all I wanted to hear But no man my hips the whole life 
Uh, yeah, every time like I got up, I was like, "Oh, fuck, why my hips and like you're hurting?" It was weird. <laughs> I was just I was like, "Oh, hips spaghetti." <laughs> she just started laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! Was it? Was those hurting? He said that quick. Uh, that's because you were gonna say. <laughs> you already knew. Uh, you already know. Yeah, and to beat you to the punch. Yeah, or these kids, or as these kids say, you already know the vibes. You already know the vibes. <laughs> I remember when my son first said that to me. I just looked at him. I was like, what? <laughs> Don't ever say Excuse that to me. me. <laughs> Don't ever say that to anybody. I said, what? And he's like, yeah, you already know the vibes. And I said, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. Anyway, <clears throat> all right, I got a quick game for us tonight. I thought it was fitting. A little Christmas kryptonite. <laughs> Christmas kryptonite, huh? What song is it then? Oh, what song? Oh, baby, tell me. What song is it then? Remember when you press the piano and goes, <laughs> the sustain pedal? Here comes verse two. <laughs> <laughs> that was just the intro. All right. <clears throat> All right, I, I believe these ones, I only got three tonight, and I think they might be a little easy, so I picked them because they, they, I thought they would just be easy. All right, here we go. Song number one, can't Google it. Put your phones down, please. Thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't need to... St- I don't need to hang a stocking there up in the fireplace. Santa Claus won't make me happy with a toy on Christmas Day. Uh, Mariah Carey. I don't mean to hang a stocking. How do you get the melody then? Get the melody. Yeah, it's Mariah Carey. Uh-huh, see? What's the song then? What uh, song is it then? All it's I the want for Christmas is you. Yes, sir. Oh, how'd you know that? Got the CD. <laughs> Man, <laughs> I'm in my deck right now. I look, all I did was guess and then the other part was easy because that's the only song she sings. Christmas one? Well, yeah. she has a whole album. Well, she has a whole album, but that's the only one they play. I know. That's the one that's been going for years. I don't need to hang a stocking. Oh, there it is. There upon the fireplace. Santa Claus will make me happy with a toy on Christmas Day. I just want you for my own. More than you could ever know. All I want for Christmas is you. Is you, baby. Hey, good job Hey, hit the air horn Give me some Lulus Give me some neck flaps Neck flaps Oh, that sounds crazy Uh The first ever points on What song is it then? Oh, even Uh, Karen came on 112 episodes. Uh, hey, uh, hey. All right, good job. <laughs> it's going to stop. All Let's see. How am I going to read this? Uh, I might have to use a different voice. That's always fun. Do that. All right. <clears throat> 
uh, uh, use my crow voice. <laughs> crow accent. <coughs> where the tops, where the treetops glisten, and the children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow. Jingle Bell Rock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, no, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Wrong. I had it. <laughs> I had it laughing. Okay. Uh, uh, shoot, do it again one more time. <clears throat> All right. I got to use this voice. I got to get into it. Where the treetops glisten, and the children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow. <laughs> These guys are racking their brains. Oh man, I had, <laughs> I'm going to all different. I had the first. I had it the first time. I know I did, but I, I lost it. I lost it, man. Wait, hey, uh, that crow accent really works. Should I sing it for you guys? Go ahead. Yeah, right. in your crow accent, though. <laughs> I can't sing it in crow accent. Sure you can. I'll just sing it. <clears throat> Where the treetops glisten and the children listen to hear. Sleigh bells in the snow. I'm oh, sleigh bells in the snow. Of a white Christmas. Christmas. Just, Just like the ones I used to is know. Is that what it is? No. Yeah. No. 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 You're on a roll. May your days be merry uh, and but bright. I, I got to be honest, though. I don't know if that's what I thought the first time because that thought just disappeared. Your yes. Christmas. But I think I had it. Be Brown. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it says white in here. So I said brown. Oh. Red. Or red. <laughs> what makes the red man red? What's that on there? Let's go back a thousand years. Have you guys ever heard that one Christmas song called Red Bird? Uh-uh. Oh. Red Bird. <laughs> no. Red Bird. <laughs> Is it new? <laughs> that doesn't even sound like a thing. Dog, I know that, right? <laughs> My daughter, my daughter's Christmas concert was Monday, and we went over there. And that's what, to the that was their, show. that was one of their last songs. Really? Yeah, it's called uh, "Red Bird" or something. I know. What Red was it like? Bird. It's like real slow. It don't even sound Christmassy. You mess, you mess around too much, man. Because it sounded like you're just making up shit. Red Bird. You died. <laughs> Oh yeah, the red bird. <laughs> Have you seen my red bird? It goes jingle jangle. If I didn't know any better, I'd be like, this guy's messing around. Red bird. Red <laughs> dog. I'm serious, man. I think it's a new one. <laughs> All right, red oh, bird. <laughs> yeah, I know these schools do that though. They'll put in songs like that have like don't even sound like Christmas. Yeah, bro, the whole Christmas concert didn't sound like like they didn't do um like no Christmas songs like Jingle Bells like none of that, bro. Like, that, traditional that, stuff. It's that new age, uh, uh, woke Christmas stuff. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you think- can't you can't sing about Rudolph Red Nose because people with red noses will be offended. <laughs> Those street Probably. chiefs. <laughs> Uncle Uncle <laughs> Alright I got one more song for us And then we'll get into our speak on it Yes Alright sounds good <clears throat> Here we go This one is not Christmas That's one clue I'm going to give you before So get your head out of Christmas <clears throat> Get your head out 
knockout, but boy, you better come to. Don't die. You know the truth is some do. Go write your message on the pavement. Burn so bright, I wonder what the wave meant. White heat screaming in the jungle. Complete the motion if you stumble. Go ask the dust for your answers. Come back strong with 50 belly dancers. <laughs> Come back strong with 50 belly dancers. Santa Claus is coming to town. Is that, that's a rap, huh? Uh, no. Is it Bob Marley? Nope. It's not a rap. It's not Bob Marley. Rock. You're coming around Christmas. How's that one <laughs> on Home Alone? Belly dancers. With 50 belly dancers. All I want for Christmas <clears throat> is my two front teeth. Knockout, <laughs> <laughs> boy, you better come to. Die, don't die. You know the truth, some do. Go write the message on the pavement. Is so bright, I wonder, where you, I wonder where the wave meant. No. White heat screaming in the jungle. Complete the motion kinda. if you stumble. Go ask the dust for any answers. Come back with 50 belly dancers. That's uh, b- 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 Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yep. What song is it? Um, uh, Doesn't that kind of sound like all 50 belly them? dancers. <laughs> they kind of sing like that, don't they? Yeah, dude, like he raps it. Kind of, huh? Yeah, like, like a sing-songy punk rock. Basically, yeah, yeah, he just like kind of like he, punk he, rock rap. He kinda. does he does that a lot, though. Yeah. Uh, He's basically an MC. I don't know any of those Red Hot Chili Pepper songs. Yeah, this was like probably early 2000s. I give up. Can't stop. Oh. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. Chop chop, he says I'm gonna win big. Choose not a life of imi- limitation. Distant cousin to the reservation. Oh, he must be related. Oh, he's part distant Ooh. cousin to the reservation. Of- oh, okay, hey. is he really? Yeah, the lead singer <laughs> for Red Hot Chili Peppers. He's got all them tattoos. Yeah, and Flea of oh, uh, last year. Went to uh, Newtown, powwow, and he had friends that were getting married there. Some native native couple were friends with Flea, and the, the guy, he was grass dancer, and he let uh, Flea do grand entry in his outfit. Nice. You can. There's a video of him smudging. But he went out there, and <clears throat> uh, he's kind of awkward. He, like You could tell he's real nervous. Dancing? Yeah. Isn't that crazy how you could perform in front of millions of people and then... I get it. I get it. Completely. This is your, like, heritage, though. Yeah. Like, you're coming home. Like a cultural thing. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Flea's their uh, bass player. Did you ever dance? With Glee? No. No. Yeah, this guy, Crow Style, yep. Crow Style? Crow style? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used to Crow Style when I was young, until I was about 10. Hey, let's get our outfits together, then. Should we go to the New Year's powwow? <laughs> Should we don our regalia? Put on our regalia and go stomp the ground. Go <laughs> stomp the ground. <laughs> uh, yeah, until I was about, yeah, I was younger and then I fell off. And then when I got older, I'm like, I'm going to do that again. And I started doing it again. So you still dance? <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I haven't danced in a while. I haven't had a chance to dance since I've been back. But yeah, before I cool. left, I was. Wow. Cool, 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 cool. All right. <clears throat> so. You got to show them youngsters you can't be ashamed of who you are. That's right. It's part My bells are the biggest. <laughs> I, got, I got the and biggest bells of all. Real big bells, though. <laughs> only one on each side. Oh, only enough, I was gonna say only enough for about two or three. <laughs> Holy shit! Man, just bruises all over your legs. <laughs> or your uh, side down, or your drop downs on the side. <laughs> four of them. <laughs> just four big old bells. <laughs> and then four big old bells around your ankles. Oh, hey, the, the, the ones I had around my ankles, man, they were like, uh, man, they were like, they were those were pretty big and they were like heavy. They were yeah, like, yeah. brass ones. Yeah, I think they were brass or copper, or whatever. Those brown. Yeah, they're about ten dollars a piece. Hell yeah, but man, those things get heavy <laughs> after a while, bro. Oh, I bet. I bet. So <laughs> them old crow dancers got bad knees. <laughs> Did you guys used to have a um, a powwow dance on New Year's in yep. Friday? Well, yeah, there was one. All districts. Yeah, all districts, I think, had their own um, until, like, around 2000s, early 2000s, and it kind of went, went away, and then it kind of fizzled, huh? Yeah, it fizzled, and then kind of came back a little bit and fizzled out again. I remember that, that dance hall behind the uh, mission. They used to have all kinds of stuff over there. Oh, yeah, all the time. All the time, and then, I don't know. I be like, but I haven't really been back Yeah, I think much. a lot of those, <clears throat> well, I think a lot of the generation that really was community Minded community base. They're all, a lot of them are gone. Huh. The ones that organize those things. So I remember, yeah, there was always some some things going on. Hand games, round dance, yeah. powwow. Yeah. I remember around this time was pretty fun. Hoogie bobbing and stuff around the harbor. Yeah. You know, lots of grass. We used to have, yeah, it used to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've <clears throat> lost a lot of that sense of community. Back home. No, I just want to steal your TV. Well, they steal everything. Anything that ain't, like, cemented down. (laughs) For real. Yeah, I was just now talking to my brother Neil about that, and they were like, yeah. He said they went to his house and took his (laughs) overboots. That were outside? No, they were inside. They went inside. Then he had a... like a nice jacket, yeah. They didn't take that, like a leather jacket. Just his over boots. His over. They, well, I mean, some other random. <clears throat> oh, they took his water. What? His bottle of water. I thought it was vodka. No, it was. You know, like you get those cases from Walmart. Oh yeah, yeah, they yeah. Took his water, his drinking water. <laughs> Man, I'm anything like, and everything. Damn. <clears throat> what What are you gonna do with that? I don't know. Like, and, and and I know the disease is really deceptive, but fuck, bro. I know. There's got right. there's got to be some kind of. I mean, even dogs don't shit where they eat. Yeah, true that. Dog, it's crazy because I think they're going and cutting pipes now. <laughs> like while people are away from home. Oh yeah. Like they're cutting their water pipes, bam, and freaking taking all those. Stuff. Is that copper? Yeah. Copper's copper's well, yeah. And just leaving expensive. those houses to flood. Because you can't turn them off. Yeah. You just cut the pipe. Idiots. Yeah, that's why I would have my mom's. They got guns ready to go. They got a gun by the dough. 
they and, come uh, creeping around and, and uh, get blasted. And uh, my and my dad, he's got a, uh, I mean, he's got guns too. I mean, he's kind of a Second Amendment dude, but um, he's got cameras. So and did that <laughs> man, I told you about the one that they went over there in broad daylight, dude, in the yeah. middle of the day. And we're they didn't there's he's he's got everything on lockdown, but that didn't stop him from going over there and snooping around. Yeah. And and broad in freaking afternoon time. Yeah. You guys got footage of it. Yeah, we got <clears throat> footage of it. <clears throat> when I worked at uh my other job, there was this guy that came in from prior. He had um jacked a bunch of cans and I didn't like think of it, but I was like, Man, you got a lot, man. What's going on? And he's just like, Yeah, I've been saving them for a while. Whatever, dude, he left like a day later. This guy came in. Did uh, anybody bring in? Like, dude, he described all the bags perfectly. <laughs> they took his kids. Yeah, this kid's nephews and nieces went around their grandparents' place and just picked up all the cans. Like, you know, their grandpa, like, since they cleaned his yard, like, he just gave them all these cans that he was saving. Mm. Dude, they took like three, four trips, man, like, filled up the back of the, the thing, you know, so it was, it was pretty good money. Dang. Um, but they just jacked them broad daylight, dude. It was like eleven o'clock noon. <laughs> the very next day, he came in. And I'm like, man, like I just like. But and dude, I, dude, I feel guilty and ashamed that I still stole chump change off my mom's dresser. Yeah, like, but the uh, struggle's real out there, man. Yeah, I get that right. part of it, but geez, <clears throat> yep. There needs to be a lot of healing. A lot of healing. A lot of healing. <clears throat> so, should we get into our speak on it? Yes. Speak on it. So we're each going to take 20 minutes, and we're going to each tell a Cliff Notes version of our stories. Um, and I got a timer here, uh, mostly for these guys. At least it ain't just me anymore. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I get, I get kind of talky, too, when I'm telling my story, so I got to focus in. So I got a timer. So... If you're ready over there, DJ, why don't you hit me with that beat? Speak on it. Speak on it, bro. On it. And that, bro. Speak on it. Speak on it. Speak on it. This is Mo Hugs, not drugs, and this is my December 2022 speak on it. And <clears throat> I guess I could say it all started on a dark, cold night, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. <laughs> that's the night. That's the night I was conceived. Hey, <laughs> these two jump. <laughs> um. <clears throat> So, yeah, I grew up on the Crow Indian Reservation, Prior Montana. I uh, grew up there, way up there in the country, uh, Arrow Creek, and isolated <clears throat> a lot of the time. You know, uh, my parents were sober for many years by the time I came along. And so <clears throat> uh, my dad built a ranch, house, our uncle, my, my uncle lived close by, and so we grew up with those guys, you know, and grew up on a ranch. Riding horses, we had goats, geese, um, ducks, <clears throat> dogs, huskies. I remember those. Bark killer. 
And um, so there's a lot of good structure in church all the time, all that. And um, But I think, like, so I was isolated. I was, like, um, sheltered, sheltered a lot from, like, I guess, from a lot of things. So when I started growing up, <clears throat> um, interested in a lot of different things and <clears throat> curious. So when I had my first drink of alcohol around 14, um, yeah, I was 14. I loved it. First buzz. I was like, ooh, man, this is for me. I was at Crow Fair, man. I was drinking with my cousins, and <clears throat> we had a pint of Mr. Boston's Peppermint Schnapps and a pint of vodka McCormick's Crow Fair Specials. And <clears throat> my cousin, she had been drinking for a while already, and a couple years already anyway. And we're all about 14, 15 years old. She was like, here, take a take a drink of this vodka and then drink this Mr. Boston's. Um, we're using Mr. Holy Boston's cow. as a chaser. and But I was taking those small drinks, you know, because you know, I heard all the stories, people getting messed up and puking and peeing their pants and all that kind of stuff. I decided what that to happen to me. Uh, so that was in the back of my mind. But anyway, I got that buzz and I was like, oh, man, oh, man, I love this. Because what it did for me was like, all that <clears throat> worry, all that messed up thinking that was constantly going on in my head, uh, especially being, you know, teenager, bodies changing, and uh, there's a lot of social pressure from your peers, and man, all that went away, all that concern, and I could just be, I could just be, and I could enjoy myself, and with that buzz, I was, I was funnier, I was a lot more lax to be funnier, and uh, more sociable, and <clears throat> Had a lot of fun that night and just running around the arbor and visiting with people and talking and laughing and carrying on. Um, but I loved it. But one thing that <clears throat> scared me and kept me from uh, continuing continual use um, was like fear of getting caught like during the school year because I was afraid I'd get in like get kicked off the team or not be allowed to play basketball because my love of basketball was so big so much bigger than my love of alcohol at the time and so I never drank really during school year um and so that's how my high school went I drink during the summers and um and then was a good boy uh I was a model citizen during the school year (laughs) And uh, <clears throat> but during the summers it was on, and so progressed to um, got out of high school. Um, man, it was on. I was like, ah, freedom. Now I had a partial scholarship to a local college here to to play basketball, and I squandered that right away because right out of high school I was supposed to work out all summer and get ready for college ball but I just partied all summer and drank and worked all summer long <clears throat> and went to college and like it was just like I wasn't ready you know, I was out of shape uh, put on some weight during the summer um, but once school started I got I tried to get focused and so I limited my drinking to like weekends and stuff and <clears throat> but ultimately um my drinking got the better of me in that situation got kicked off the team flunked out of college my first year and then like worked until like I was 21 just drank and worked until like I was 21 years old 
um, in which time I tried to go back to school at a different college and, but again, flunked out again, uh, just cause of drinking and partying, chasing women, what have you. Um, and it was just like, during that time, it was like, caused a lot of drama, uh, a lot of arguments, a lot of fighting with people and, um, just being real sneaky and manipulative and, uh, hurt a lot of people during that time from, 18 to 21, and as I approached my 21st birthday, um, <clears throat> I was tired of it at that time um, because as I was getting closer to my 21th birthday and then some of my high school friends that uh, I stayed in contact with because uh, my birthday's in January, and then that as I approached that time, I was reaching out to some of my uh, friends from high school and just seeing what they're up to and stuff and they're like, yeah, man, this is my last semester. I'm going to graduate from college. And they're talking like that. And I was like, oh, that's something I really wanted. I was like, man, I just wanted that degree. And I was always like in the back of my mind during my partying days is that I'll go back. I'll go back. I'll go back. This is, I'm, just, I'm just drinking for now. Just uh, having a good time. I'll go back. <clears throat> um, but right around 21, um, yeah, my friends were graduating and uh had their degrees and like starting their lives and here I was just working at whatever job I could get and using the money to party and pay for my car and that was about it and sleeping on couches and stuff <clears throat> um so I quit I quit and I went back to like what I knew um and I was trying to be that person I was before I started drinking because I didn't like the person I was when I drank and so I threw myself into church uh, local church here in Billings, Montana, and I went to MSU Billings, and like I was just like focused, man. I was determined. I was like, I'm gonna get this degree. I said, I'm going nonstop, and um, so I did. Um, from like 21 until I think it was 24. Uh, <clears throat> what is it? No, 25. Um, 21 until I was 25, like nonstop school that whole time, the summers. The winter breaks, man, I was, like, taking classes. And I didn't. I quit drinking. I stopped drinking. Um, actually, yeah, yep. Um, just went through that whole time until I graduated. I didn't drink. I was, like, fully involved with church. I was even, like, on a praise and worship team, married the pastor's daughter. And I really felt like I was doing God's work. <clears throat> um, and things were good for us, you know. Like, uh, we had a house. We had um, two cars. And, you know, I just, she graduated from college. I graduated from college the next year. And, but when I, that day I graduated from college, man, I went, I was like, I felt accomplished. I was like, I I set out to achieve this goal and I achieved it. And I deserve a beer. I deserve to celebrate. And so that night that I graduated, I got a six pack of Corona and I went over to brother-in-law's house and got drunk and I didn't go back to the way I used to drink right away or I didn't even at all um and I was like so I drank off and on for the next two years uh still because I was you know still involved with church uh we're still helping out with church and stuff and so I drank sporadically throughout the next two years but um by the end of those two years, like it was 2010, and you know, the wife asked for a divorce. 
and I was just like floored and um, blamed God, um, got divorced and and like I just felt like I just blamed God. I seriously like everything. I was like, I did it your way and this is what I was doing your work. This is what I get. So I said, so I just put my two fingers up in the air, literally. I remember standing there putting my foot. Two fingers in the air looking at the sky. And I said, fuck you. I'm going to do it my way. And I proceeded to just go drink and party and um, hard. Hit it hard. Um, Found a group of relatives and friends that were in the scene at the time that were in a similar situation as me. And, man, we hit it hard for, like, the next two years. And we were just, like, drinking hard and... um, Met my wife, the, the wife that I'm married to now. I met her, then we um, dated for a while, and then we got married. Uh, and then we made a pact that, you know, once the, or she got pregnant, and like we made a pact that once the baby came that we were going to stop drinking. Um, well, she stopped when she got pregnant, but uh, I didn't. I just kept drinking, and I was like, still, man, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And... Um, so this was like 2000, oh, 2014, um, man, I go on rippers, you know, cause arguments just so I could go on, go drink. And one of the things that led to my, um, realization that I had a problem was, um, drinking, I was, I caused an argument, (coughs) caused an argument right away and on Saturday morning at breakfast and started arguing with my wife and with the intent that, because I wanted to go drink. Uh, she had all these plans. We're going to go do this and do that and do this. And my, my thought was like, nah, I don't want to do that. I'm going to go drink. So I started arguing and uh, she, I left. I think she kicked me out and I left. Got two thirty packs, two half a G's of vodka and I went out to my cousin's house who I knew would be down to drink and <coughs> proceed to drink. <clears throat> now, the plan that time was to get drunk that night and then um, and then face the music next day, come back home and just face the music because I just wanted to drink that one night. Now, I blacked out. I remember that much like that Saturday night. I remember... The last thing I remember is we're sitting outside of my cousin's house. It was like kind of um, early fall time. Uh, so the sun stays out a little bit later and we're sitting outside and we had our hand drums out and we're singing round dance songs and stuff. And there's some people around and we're just having carrying on, um, having a good old time. And um, kind of in and out after that flashes of like me driving, coming to and I'm driving truck's full and uh, and then a blackout again then next thing you know we're at his house and we're eating drinking laughing joking around anyway so I I finally came to came to I was sitting woke up on a chair in his living room and um woke up there I was just like oh man just like I've interviewed been on a bender for a week or so uh, you just wake up and your body aches and it's like feels like the flu and you don't feel good and 
Uh, I just remember there's like a half a G there and there's some in there and I got it and I took a swig and my, my cousin was sitting over here to my left and he was eating. And I said, oh man, I said, what time is it? He said, it's 3.30 or something like that, like 3.30, almost 4 o'clock. I said, ah, oh, crap. And I knew I had some days had passed and I was like, I was thinking like it was Monday um, and I, you know, cause I, I had a job, really good job with the Bureau of Indian Affairs and, um, <laughs> that supplied my addiction and I was like, um, so I said, uh, I said, what day is it? He said, it's Thursday. And I looked at him. I was like, Ugh. I said, are you serious? He said, yeah. He said, it's Thursday. And I said, what? And he went on to proceed. He was like. I just came too, man. I said, man, I'm, man I, last thing I remember, and I, at the time, the last thing I remember was sitting outside of his house with those hand drums, and that's what I told him. And Man, he just looked like he's seen a ghost. He was like, what? He's like, man, we, we went on multiple runs. He's like, you don't know, remember that night we went to the bar? And I was like, I don't remember any of that. He was like, man, you were driving. I said, did I look, like, did I look all blacked out, blanked out? And he was like, no, man, you were walking around carrying on and so man you're being real funny and and I was just like man I scared the crap out of me um you know being week-long hangover and so I went outside and um my wife just happened to be driving up and she came and stood I was sitting on a little log you know the kind that you chop wood on I was sitting on that and um Smoking a cigarette And she walked up to me And man I used to have long hair Man I was all jacked up <laughs> uh, Like there was crumbs in it and stuff And man, I didn't look cool She walked up to me And she was like She had a bag of clothes And she was like <coughs> All she said I could see it in her face She was pissed She was like What's wrong with you And man I broke down I started crying And I said I don't know And for me right there In that moment Me saying I don't know was admitting that I had a problem finally for once. You know, for over a decade I lied to myself that I didn't have a problem. Over a decade that I'm not hurting anybody. Over a decade that, you know, I'm not as weak as alcoholics. I can drink and have a career. I can drink and have a family. Uh, In that moment when I said, I don't know, I, I admitted finally admitted that I had a problem and so I proceeded to go on to um, uh, treatment in Browning, Montana at the Crystal Creek Lodge and I was great there I found out what was wrong with me and found out that I was I am an alcoholic and I rode that that was my pink cloud man I rode that for through treatment I rode that for the next six seven months Uh, and then like shit hit the fan in my life. You know, I had two friends die. One friend, you know, pass away and I had two cousins, you know, get murdered <clears throat> within and an uncle pass away <coughs> within like three months of each other. And then because when I got back from treatment I didn't get plugged in. I had a sponsor, I didn't utilize him. I went to meetings when I felt like it. And I was headed for my second divorce, and we got divorced. And I said, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to go get drunk, you know. 
I mean, there's that thought in my mind. I was like, oh, I've been so sad and so depressed. I haven't felt, felt well in a minute. And I said, then the thought creeped in. Uh, well, if it's not a pint, you'll feel better. And I entertained that for weeks until the point where I was walking to the gas station to buy a 30-pack. They just happened to be $20 for a 30-pack of Coors Light. I said, oh, that's a sign. I'll buy two. And I bought two. I went to my friend's house. I was staying at. I said, let's get drunk. He said, hell yeah. And we got drunk. But then within a week, I was about a, I was drinking a liter of vodka every day. Within two weeks, I was drinking half a gallon of vodka every day. And that was all summer of 2015. And then, you know, my cousin came over. She was in recovery at the time. And she bawled me out. And she just told me truth. And she was cussing at me and stuff. But she told me the truth. I need to hear it, and that catapulted me into going to treatment again, going to detox, and from there, went to detox, and um, I want, I was tired, sick and tired of being sick and tired, I had, I wanted a different, I wanted something different, I knew there was something better, so I went into treatment, and I just learned as much as I could, because I said, I'm going to apply this to my life when I get out of here, because I, I don't want to go back out, man, because that Addiction for me takes me to a very dark, scary place where I don't want to live anymore. When I'm not willing to pull the trigger, but I am willing to drink a half a gallon of vodka every day. And so <clears throat> I got a treatment. Uh, my counselor um, told me about Robriety, gave me a Red Road to Robriety book, and he said, Read this, it's going to help you. And I did. And so. And the basic principles of sobriety is what keeps me sober today. You know, addressing my mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual well-being every day. That's what keeps me sober. And how I do that is every day I pray. I start my day out in prayer. Every day I am mindful of my thoughts and emotions. And if I need to, I journal. And... <clears throat> The physical, you know, I try to do something for myself every day. So, like, the being mindful of my thoughts and my actions and stuff, that's all that mental, emotional stuff. And the physical, um, I try to eat something healthy. Or instead of the elevator, I'll take the stairs. Or I'll just go for a walk. You know, something real simple. Those simple things for me keep me sober, keep me walking on the red road. And... You know, that's that's what that's basically what I do today. Uh, and that's my time right now. But I'll just end with this. Oh, where is this? Oh, okay. So that's my time. But what really, it's nothing. What really works for me and what really helps me is like nothing profound. It's not a great teaching. It's not a. It's not a revelation. That I needed, it was just that I needed to find God in the simple, the very simple things like being kind to people every day by responding to everything, not or getting out of being reactive and <coughs> just trying to be the best version of myself every day um, by treating people as human beings. And treating myself as a human being, having grace for myself, 
and having that continuous, constant communication with Hikbada Dia. That, that's what keeps me sober today. And surrounding myself with like-minded individuals like JC and Randy, sober individuals that are walking the red road, that are doing their thing. Um, I don't interact with <clears throat> very many people that are in active addiction or that are not walking the red road. Even if they don't use, I'd, I'll say hi to them in public and talk with them and stuff, but I ain't going to go kick it with them uh, just because uh, that's just not my scene anymore. Um, but anyway, that's my time, and thank you for joining Mo Hugs Not Drugs on Speak On It this year. I hope you have a good rest of your week. Go ahead and hit the beat, son. Speak on it. Speak on it, bro. On it. Bro, speak on it. Speak on it. Speak on it. JC, your favorite Indian. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm used to going third, but this is Randy, number 83, LG's finest. <laughs> Or the finest to come out of LG. Uh who? Oh. And how. <laughs> no, but I think like it's crazy because I never set out to be an alcoholic or a drug addict. Um I remember like fourth grade, man, my cousin uh came to visit grandma my grandma for for the summer. Was it for the summer? No, it wasn't for the summer. She came on like spring break or something, and she was she was my grandma's oldest grandkid, or she is my grandmother's oldest grandkid. But she had come for spring break. I uh, came to visit her Montana grandparents, and some of the older homies like we were all there, and we all ran into each other. But we got one of my older cousins to go for a run for us to harden. I still remember, like, dude, I was fourth grade, like, just tagging along with the older guys, you know? You know, like, seventh grade, eighth grade. I'm, like, fourth grade. Um, But we got his brother to go get us a case of 40s and an 18-pack. And we broke into this little equipment shed in the back of the school. And... No, it was summer. Yeah, it was summer because the sprinklers were on. But we broke into this, like, concession stand in the back of the school. They used to be padlocked and, you know, all the stuff, but all the, like, football equipment, all the track and field equipment were in there. But we all broke in. There was probably, there was about six or seven of us, and they started drinking, and they would give me the bottom, you know. They passed that 40 around, and, man, I got drunk, and I didn't really remember. All I remember, like, I remember we were laughing, joking, um, Hiding from the cops, but I also remember that morning about like four or five in the morning, like walking back to my grandma's house, and dude, I like I was drunk, you know, like I was like, man, like, and I don't even know what to think because I'm I'm in fourth grade, but <clears throat> we get home and nothing really happens. Later on, about a year or two goes by, and me and my brother we already smoked cigarettes by then. We'd go, we'd go into, we'd go into the freezer, and we'd steal a pack of cigarettes, and we're into doing all the wrong things. But 
It was really about sixth, seventh grade when the trouble started at my at my house. We started having, you know, like we always had like our house wasn't stable because my dad was an active addiction. But I think this is like when it couldn't be contained anymore. You know, like the house wasn't um, mom and dad started fighting and my dad, you know, would go off. You know, he he would do whatever. But I started staying uh, staying with my friends after school. And I remember one night, it was New Year's. And I was in seventh grade. And, and again, we got somebody to go for a run for us because uh, the crew that I used to run with, their uncles, every year, like, it never failed. They always had, like, a big New Year's Eve party. And that was, like... That was like the party, like growing up in Lodgegrass. You know, you don't really got a whole lot of lot of things going on. But the biggest, like, everybody would go dance. They would go, you know, enjoy themselves at the festivities. But everybody knew, like, where it was at afterwards. And us guys just being young kids, like, we used to go around in the party, laugh around. Like, we'd go run through there. But I remember this particular night, man, like, we just got drunk. And I remember my friend, I was actually with him today, but back then, like, I remember him, like, not even finishing 140, and he had blacked out. Like, this was his first time drinking. And his mom came after him, and I'm like, man, like, you know, and I'm getting a thrill off this buzz. But it... it Then it would just be like a weekend thing. Um, you fast forward to to high school. You know, I'm getting kicked out of I'm getting kicked out of these high schools now that I'm attending. Um, I never really knew how to deal with any any of um, problems in life. You know, all I know is like my my home life sucked. My mom was there; she was sober. She never used drugs or alcohol. Like she loved us, but there was too many. Like you know what I mean? Like there was just too much going on at the time um and me wanting any kind of attention I found it by getting in trouble I come up here to Billings and I start sneaking off and getting drunk like one of my my best friend here in Billings like his uh he had an older sister who would always party and and I remember one night like man I remember one night getting drunk and walking back home and it was only about wasn't even midnight I remember like getting beat up by the cops and I think I shared it previously on this. I remember like getting beat up but we were drinking and it started out as fun but it eventually became a problem. I remember at 16 years old I went to my first treatment. I think I was 6 no, I was 15 in April of 2000. No, I was 16. Yeah, April of 2000 I went to Rocky Mountain treatment. Uh, center in Great Falls because of drinking and getting in trouble. I drink, I'd get rowdy, I'd start fighting, start, you know, like just had a mess and had no direction in my life. Nobody tell me no. And I remember getting back from Rocky Mountain. Like I'd already talked to, I like I'd already talked to the homies like the week, the weekend before I remember on the phone 
Because you used to have to buy phone cards. Remember that? You guys remember buying phone cards? So we would go on there and my friends came and picked me up. Um, as soon as I got off the airport and they had beer, you know, and I was drunk and high. And Before then, it was just weed and alcohol. <clears throat> but by then, you know, meth started coming around. And by then, it, it, it was still the it was still crank back then. And we would get some, we would dabble. I'd be like, man, I was scared to try it at the time. I was scared, man. But when I first tried it, I was like, man, I like this feeling. And, and, and that kind of started the, you know, the little nickel and dime hustle, you know, by, by a fat rock and, and go and feed all the, you know, the, my classmates really. And it's kind of doing my thing, but it just progressed. And I never had a direction in my life. I think like for me, like I was just full of hurt and pain and my, my home life was jacked up and my mom couldn't boss us around because we're, you know, we're, we're teenagers and, and me and my older brother, like we do what we want. We come back when we want. We basically like, we ran our own lives. Like my dad wasn't around to tell me no, like, man, and something that started out as fun, like going out every weekend, man, it started out as fun, like going and partying. Like I, I enjoyed, like, I enjoyed the attention I got. You know what I mean? Because it didn't matter if I was doing the right thing or the wrong thing. All I wanted was to be noticed by my by my people, but <clears throat> but eventually got to the point of like where we're starting to do stuff at my mom's house and kind of put my family in danger and not kind of but just doing dumb stuff involving myself in dumb activities and. When I look back on it now, like, I'm not even proud of what I did. Um, and like I said, man, I never started out wanting to be an alcoholic or, or a drug addict. and But my, my using it progressed to, to where it became a problem. And I never did think I had a problem. But I remember my brother Shannon dying. And, and, dude, I just took off with a, got a bunch of meth and, and a bunch of alcohol. And I just stayed drunk and high. And I remember, like cussing my mom and my aunt out in front of the morgue the day before or the day of the funeral. And I'm like, man, where the F's your God at? But man, I'm like 23 years old. I'm, I'm moving in between like Bozeman, Billings, just really looking for somewhere to go, school. I remember like enrolling into MSUB and the day that we were going to move in, my brother got ran into by a drunk driver up in the Heights. And that just like, went into another whole storm. I I would see the people that I graduated with. I would see my friends and some of them went to college. Some of them were doing the same thing. Um, but it just got to the point where like, it wasn't even fun anymore. And I would look around and I was the only one, like I didn't have kids. Like I didn't have a job. Like I didn't have no direction in my life. Like I didn't even know what I wanted to do. And to be honest, when I look back, man, like I never thought I would even make it to 25 years old. Um, so I didn't really try to do anything, if that makes sense. All I did was party. Like life was a party. No direction, nowhere, nobody to look up to. Like I just lost a joy in my life. I was just depressed. Like had all these like negative self-talk. Like I would man, say all these horrible things to myself and, really beat myself down and 
I didn't want to face anything, so I would drink and I would get high, and, and that would really numb me. And I became somebody that I wasn't proud of, you know, my heart. Like I stopped caring about anything or anybody, let alone myself. Um, just wasn't a, a good human being to anybody. Tried AA, didn't work, man. I'm going to jail. I'm getting, you know, my alcohol use, my drug use is getting out of hand. And I'm thinking, you know, finally ended up moving out to like LA and California and San Diego, like all that area back in like 07. Man, and it didn't matter where I went. Like in California, I found people that, that were like me. In Vegas, I found people that were like me. In Texas, I found people that were like me. It didn't matter where I went. I found a group of guys that were doing the same things that I was doing. You know, and, and nothing stopped me. I remember getting getting in trouble out in California. I remember getting in trouble out in Arizona. Like, man, like my use is out of hand. And 08, I come home, stay home for like six months, and, and I go to trade school. And out there, same thing. You know, I go to school during the week and Fridays, man, I would, that was when I did coke and, you know, I would, we would, me and my roommate would just, we would get some coke and we would smoke weed. We would smoke weed and then do the coke on Friday nights. Like that was our way of like escape. <clears throat> and I remember like him, like he started having like anxiety attacks and, but like for me, man, like, man, I'm drinking, I'm fighting like getting into arguments with my classmates like just really making a bad name for myself and dude i wake up in phoenix arizona in the hospital like i got in i went on this big old rampage in the complex and hurt my arm and blood all over but there's my friend there I'm like hey andrew it's like hey man he's like really gentle with me he starts you know starts ministering to me and I didn't know back then but he would be like hey man I think it'd be good to go to church I'm like yeah dude I would try it and I would do my best and I would try I would try but I would get to a certain point and then I'd fall back and start using again um still you know not married no direction coming back home freaking graduated from that trade school came home went back to Arizona and then back to Minneapolis and over in Minneapolis and came home for a vacation because I didn't start a job the following Monday at a studio called Tall Cat in, in Phoenix, Arizona. The Wednesday I get to tell, man, I get a felony. Again, drunk, high, like doing the wrong things. And, and you would think that would stop me, and it didn't. Like I did like 60 days. I got out. As soon as I got out, I was drunk and high again. You know, no regard for the law, hated the law, like never tried to do right. But just drinking, nowhere to go, full of pain, full of, full of hurt, full of anger. And 2010, about a year, no, I got sentenced and I went to set free. And that was the first time that I tried to stay sober, but by then I would make it to like six months. Then I'd fall off. I'd feel like I did... Man, I made it six months, and then, man, that was my excuse. That was the longest I'd ever made it. And by then, I'm living back in Lotchgrass in 2010, and nothing to do, man. Like, I feel, didn't have anything going on, just drinking. Dude, I'm, like, late 20s by now, you know, don't really want to live there. Really got no means of, like, getting out. Um just drinking the news and 
doing, living the wrong life until 2014 when I got a probation violation. Uh, the woman that I was with was pregnant and my daughter, my daughter's mom and got, fell in love and found somebody that would, <clears throat> that would help me and ended up messing that up. Get locked up on a probation violation and man, when I get out, I, you know, start running and gunning and trying to hang with the big boys and man, I overdose. And in that overdose, I left my body and I remember like being in Billings Clinic and, and all of a sudden like I looked to the right and I could see this clock. And I could see that at 7 o'clock, and it's Friday night. I think it's like November 6, 2014. And, man, I leave that hospital bed, and, and, and I see my daughter, who had just turned one about a month before. And, and I'm like, man, like I, my heart goes out there. Like, today, like even right now, like I can still see that dream. Like it's still vivid to me. I remember having like the thought of, like, man, God, like don't let her grow up without me. Like, give me another chance to be her father. And when, when I said that, bro, like this bubble that was coursing through my body, it like popped audibly, and I went right back to the emergency room. Um, I didn't know it at the time. But that thing, that night, like changed my life because like it, at my bottom, I asked God, I said, man, like I, I just want to be a dad. Like I want to be this, I want to be a dad. Give me another chance. And dude, it still took me like about four or five months. I, I drove myself to, like, I didn't go back to treatment, ended up getting caught by the law again. The following Monday, I drive myself to treatment after Super Bowl Sunday. And, and it was the best decision I've ever made. You know, I was there for, for 60 days, and by then I'd been in and out of treatment numerous times. I'd go to IOP, I'd go to outpatient, I'd go to DUI class, I'd go, you know, just racked up all kinds of charges, being drunk, getting chased by the cops, like all this dumb stuff that never really meant nothing. Um, 2014, 2015, 60 days, come home, Get, uh, lose everything and then I go back because I really didn't know what I was going to do at the time and I decided to stay and that was in February of 2015 but I stayed until the end of May and I drove myself home at the end of May and, and roomed with my brother and some, some other roommates there was about four of us in the house and I had the smallest room in the house and I worked as like a dishwasher but all I knew was like man I didn't want to go back to that lifestyle and, like, to this day, like, even now, like, man, like, the, the prayer that I made eight years ago, like, God honored that prayer. And, and even now, like, man, there is not a day that doesn't go by that I'm not thankful to have a second chance at life. Like, when I say, like, if I go back out and, and start using meth and alcohol again, I honestly believe without a shadow of doubt in my heart that I would die in my use. You know, like, that's the way that I use. I don't have a... You know, let me, let's take it easy. I don't have, like, I, I don't have that. It's like, okay, let's get high, then, but let's get as high as we can. Let's get as drunk as we can. Like, you know, like, there's no, like, there's no off button for me. And when I do that, then everything that I've built in the, within these past eight years will crumble away. Um, but there's a verse that I recently read, and it's just really changed my life because this past year I've been on this phase of like inner healing, like not phase. I don't want to say phase, but I've like, 
I found this thing of like wanting to become like a better me. Like I want to be the best dad that I can be. I want to be the best uncle that I can be. I want to be the best son that I can be. I want to be the best brother that I can be. I want to be the best friend. And in order for me to do that, man, I need to start dealing with the things on the inside. And, and, um, I think, you know, this past year, like I'm super grateful for, but the song of songs, uh, chapter two, verse 14, it says, for you are my dove hidden in a split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in a secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes of worship and lovely your voice in prayer. And I'm like, man, like, like God, like this is God, like talking to his bride. And I'm like, man, like, but he's speaking to me. And this just like came to me about two months ago, but I'm like, man, like I've just been on this. It's like, I'm like, man, God, you're the one that, that brought me up out of here. Like you're the one that pulled me up out of that miry clay. But the part that really got me is verse 15 when he says, you must catch the troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship, for they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them from me? We will do it together. And when I think about that, like, man, I'm like, man, God, there's no other verse that perfectly paints my life since I came to sobriety back in 2015. Like, God, I'm so thankful that you've been with me every step of the way, man. I'm so thankful that you've showed me what it means to love my friends and my family members. Man, God, I'm so thankful that you have given me a second chance at life. God, man, I'm so thankful. Like, man, I am so grateful, man. I'm sharing with the rest of you guys. Eight years ago, man, I never saw myself doing anything that I do today. And it's not because I'm special, but it's because of who my God is, man. Like, and not only that, bro, like, check this out. Like, man, I just finished my first semester of like real college, man. Today was my last final. And it's like, man, to, to other people that don't mean nothing. But to me, man, I have a second chance at life. And I want to leave. I want to show my daughter. Like, I want to show my family. Like, I don't want to just tell them what to do. I want to show them like, hey, man, like, look at your dad at 39 years old, man. He went to college, man. All his classmates can be his kids, you know, like, <laughs> I'm like, how old are you? They're like 18. I'm like, I'm 39. I'm like, dude, I, you know. Like, I remember looking on the right side of my, like, I was sitting with this young man one day in class, and I'm like, looked at him, and I didn't know him, but I started talking to him, and then in the middle of our conversation, I recognized him because I went to school with his mom. <laughs> and I'm like, dog, I remember when you, like, you know, like, and I'm like, man, like, in my, in, inside of me, I'm like, you know, like, girl, and I'm like, man, I'm old, dude. But, <laughs> but, you know, like, Man, I'm so grateful. If there's anybody out there that is struggling with sobriety, I'm telling you, man, that it's worth it, man. Every every ounce of energy, man, every ounce of power that you have, man. Like, dog, you'll thank yourself down the line for saying no. Um, to end all this off, man, like I'm thankful. I'm extremely grateful. I'm kind of emotional now. You know, I'm kind of emotional because... It hasn't been easy, but it's been worth it, man. It's so worth it. And, and I think even now, like, reflecting on, you know, the brief history is like, yo, man, like, we really came a long way. And I'm grateful to be running with, with JC and, and Josiah because, you know, a lot of times in addiction, we feel like nobody understands us, but we, man, there's so many people that are going through exactly 
or not, maybe not exactly, but similar things that, that you're going through right now. You just got to connect with them, man. Like, we just got to reach out and find our tribe. Mm-hmm. That's really all we got to do, man. Like, and now, like, life is way different. Like, my daughter, you know, we don't have the biggest house, but, man, it's big enough for me and her. And, man, she comes and goes. Like, she can walk in and walk out, and she don't have to worry about dad being drunk. She doesn't have to worry about dad being high. Like, she don't have to worry about nothing, you know? All she has to worry about is like, hey, do I have $6, you know, for the week, you know, pay for lunch? <laughs> you know, that's like, that's really, it. but it's because of saying yes to the small things. And all those small steps, all those things that feel like they're minute, they're not, man. They all lead to the bigger things. Thank you, guys. Love you guys, man. Bless you guys. That's, that's it. Speak on it. Speak on it, bro. On it. And it, bro. Speak on it. Speak on it. Speak on it. Ah, uh, me too. Uh, <laughs> Episode one twelve. Thank you for having me. Ah Oh man. Okay. So, um, yeah, I was growing up. Or when you know, when I was younger, I, 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 I can't say I came from a a bad household or whatever. Um, my parents were never. I don't really remember them ever being together. So I kind of bounced around a lot between my mom and my dad, my grandparents, uh, certain aunts and uncles. Um, as far as my parents go, I know, I mean, they, they drank. Uh, there was m- misuse and some abuse, but I wouldn't go so f- it's, I definitely wasn't full-blown chemical dependency, you know, like those three levels. But uh, I was exposed to it through them. I mean, if it wasn't for them, there was, you know, always an uncle or an aunt or, you know, there's some relative. And if it wasn't some relative, it was, you know, a friend's mom friends, parents, friends, brothers, sisters, you know, I mean, it was everywhere, everywhere on the res growing up. Um, I just always remember being around it, being exposed to it. And, um, but, uh, and, and, you know, and there were times, you know, this was a time when, um, you know, it wasn't unusual for for kids to be in a bar. You know, I I remember being little and, and, and sitting at the bar drinking Shirley Temples and, you know, all these drunks buying me bags of chips and giving me quarters to play pool. Um, and, and growing up, raised by my grandparents, I, I hung around with my older siblings a lot, my brother and my sister. They're about five years older than me. And uh, especially my brother, you know, um, it, I was tagged along with him, followed him around. And he, in turn, used to hang out with people older than him. And so... When he was about 16, 17, I was about 11 or 12, you know, and I remember being down on Montana Avenue at night in the summertime. And, and if anybody knows what that's like back in the 80s, it was like, you know, there was ladies of the night, porno shops, and just <laughs> all manner of just um, those kind of people, you know what I mean? Uh, pimps and, and drug dealers and winos here and there, I mean, and so, and then, you know, um, he used to, 
he used to go partying around a lot. And so, I, again, I would tag along with him. And I remember dr- driving for a bunch of drunks. And I was just this little kid. <clears throat> couldn't even see over the steering wheel. And I'd be driving. Um, you know, I'd be running around the parking lot at the bars. And uh, after a while, <clears throat> you know, it's the same old crew that used to frequent these places. So a lot of them would recognize me and they'd see me and say, hey, you know, because they'd, like a lot of, a lot of people would uh, go to the bar, but they would leave their liquor in the car, come out, take a shot, drink a beer, whatever, and then go back in. But when they would come out, I'd go jump in their car and I'd chat it up with them, you know. And I remember, you know, uh, thinking I was real funny because I would make them laugh and stuff. Um, just being, you know, sort of the, the, the comic guy, the funny guy. And there would be times when I'd be at house parties and and nobody ever said anything. You know, I was like 12, 13, and these people are in their 20s, uh, probably older than that. Every once in a while you get somebody that kind of like, hey, what the hell is this little kid doing here? But for the most part, nobody cared. They thought it was funny. They thought it was cute, and so I did too. I thought, all right, this is this is the normal thing. This, it, I normalized it. Um, and I do, you know, like growing up, I had a caregiver that was not very kind I'll just put it that but leave it at that and it had and attacked my my self-worth my self-esteem and never showed any kind of compassion or love I've never heard this person ever say I love you I care about you it's almost like when they did speak of things it was like an obligation like I have to take care of you and I have to spend my money to do this and you know um so I think that came into play a lot later on. Well, I know it did. <clears throat> but I remember when uh, I was in like sixth grade, we were in Arizona, living in, on the Tahana Otum Indian Reservation, Papago Reservation in Sells, Arizona. And me and my buddy went to the playground. And they had these like this weird little tire, these tires that were all like bolted together and chained up like, you know, like this little weird thing at the playground some kind of a playground equipment or whatever. But inside one of those tires, there was three bottles. There were quart court bottles of Budweiser, and two of them weren't open. And one of them was like, you can see, like, they must have just, they didn't break the neck or whatever. They, it was open, but they didn't drink very much of it. And we were like, oh, wow, let's go. So we took off. And <laughs> and it's funny because this kid was, uh, he, he lived at the children's home there. So he was... He, uh, I don't know if they, I, I don't know his story, but he was in a children's home. But we go to the, this children's home and we had these bottles and we climbed up this big ass tree way up there. And then we were drinking those. We we each drank one and then we shared that third one. And I remember sitting in that tree thinking, wow, because I, man, I just felt warm. I felt light. And I remember feeling like, you know, this is it. I felt good. Like for the first time in a long time, I felt. Um, peaceful would be the word. And so in hindsight, that was it. That was the point right there. Uh, I'd spend, you know, roughly the next 26, seven, eight years trying to figure out what it was. But right there at that point, I knew that, that, that everything changed. Uh, then I came back, came back, moved in with my grandparents. And again, 
you know, my parent. I can't blame my parents, can't blame my grandparents because they did everything. They did the best they could by me with what they had and what they could do. But they couldn't compare to the fact that I would leave the house and go hang out with my peers. And nothing, I don't think, could ever really um, uh, compete with that kind of bombardment. Right. Like all my peers were drinking and using and, you know, we used to do everything like anything and everything, you know, we drink, we'd smoke weed, you know, inhalants, things like that. Just whatever, because there was nothing else to do. There's nothing else to do but de- be destructive. Um, and I'm sure there I mean, there was positive things that we could have done yet. I just don't think that there was, you know, that much opportunity like we can go play ball. Um but there were times when there was nowhere to play ball at night or, you know, uh, we could have got deeper into the culture, but I don't think there was other people, you know, that were encouraging that. So left to our own devices as a group of kids, you know, we did what we saw. We emulated what we saw, and I, I fell right into that. And I just felt like I was a part of something, like, you know, uh, outside of my family, um, I, I was a part of something and junior high, high school, you know, it's it just like anybody else. It started on the weekends. Pretty soon we were taken off on the weeknights. Um, and then after a while, I mean, I don't even know how it progressed. Like I remember when I was a junior in high school, I, w- I drank for like every night for like two, two weeks straight. And I was proud of it. I was counting after a while. I was counting it. And I would go tell everybody, all right, man, after school, this is going to be day 10. It's going to be day 10. Let's go find something. You know, I was proud of that. They call that junkie pride. I wanted to be proud of that because that's all I had. Whether it was good or bad, I mean, it was what I had. So I wanted to glorify that in my mind because of the, you know, now that I know it was guilt and shame. And like I knew that what I was doing wasn't good. Ultimately, that just led to me dropping out my junior year. And then uh, <coughs> um, by God's grace, I found myself in Chihuahua, which I think probably saved my life, but I know it, it it got me to graduate. I don't think I would have graduated high school if it weren't for that. But I ended up, I had to do junior year twice, so I went to school high school for five years. Uh, I graduated from Chihuahua. When I was over there... Um, they have you take breathalyzers. Like, if you disappear, they don't see you for so many hours. They get kind of suspicious, and then they could just say, go over there. They call it PPS, but it was like the principal's office for the dorms. So go over there, PPS, take a breathalyzer. And for the most part, when I was over there, I was just smoking weed all the time, daily. Uh, but the two times, the, the couple of times that I did drink, I got caught. Um, because I'd go in there and I'd be all buzzed up trying to, you know, thinking I was all slick trying to get away with it. But Captain Obvious, um, yeah, I go take a breathalyzer and then they, they take, they have like a little holding cell out there. It's like a little tiny BIA, like res jail that they have out there. They take you out there and then in the morning they'd bring you back and then you'd have to be on restriction. Uh, but every time I drank over there, I got caught. So I just quit doing that. Like, every once in a while, we'd have a few drinks here and there, but I would never get, like, that that drunk like as I did those other two times. But, you know, yeah, we're smoking weed. Of course, you know, 
part of that was the hustle, just trying to keep your head above water so I could so I could keep smoking, I would sell it. And um never really trying to, you know, break the bank or, you know, be some kind of baller. I just wanted my money back so I could go get more. And uh eventually graduated. I started going to college at MSU Billings. Um I really wasn't into it. It's not that the, you know, I, I, I don't think it's because I couldn't do it. It was just that, you know, my heart wasn't there. I, I started progressively getting worse with drinking and neglecting my studies. And that's, and it doesn't take much, especially in college. If you, if you try to slack off even a little bit, you'll find yourself way behind. So you really have to stay on your game. And I didn't. Um, when I was there, I was doing other good things. You know, I was in, back then they called it Intertribal Indian Club. At MSC Billings, I think they call it something different now, but um, I was like on the executive. I was voted in as sergeant at arms, um, so I helped organize two of the MSC Billings powwows. MC'd one, uh, but the, the but the grades were there. The grades were like, man, I was, <laughs> I didn't, and I didn't really. I saved myself one summer. I went and uh, they said you were on academic probation. Then they said go to summer school, get a certain uh, GPA and then we'll let you back so I did that made it went back to that next semester and then after that I just bombed out again so after that I just kind of you know what I, I I washed out I'm like yeah so I just went and got a job and right about that time is when you know like uh, the crank was hitting and I think like a lot of people you know I was kind of eh. I remember seeing it at Chamawa my senior year towards the end of the year I remember that and even actually having used it without my consent, because they put it on uh, weed. But anyway, I remember when every when that when that started to hit, um, I remember being kind of halfway afraid of 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 using it because I didn't you know didn't know what it was gonna do. I thought, oh man, I'm gonna have a heart attack or whatever. Um, so I started doing these little tiny lines, and then those lines got bigger, and then everybody was smoking it, and I was afraid to do that. But eventually, tried that. You know, and it just, boom, that took me. And I was on that for a while. And then I uh, broke up with my girlfriend. Like, all right, you got to go move, go stay with your mom in Belknap. Which, you know, it, it. I always say, no matter where you go there, and there I was. No matter where I went, there I was. And so that didn't really help out other than to say that I didn't have to go as far to get booze. Um. And then when I was up there, you know, my drinking got progressively worse and worse and worse and worse. Um, at my children's mother, um, had three kids. Well, I didn't have them. She did. But, uh, you know, um, and then, like, started uh, alienating that relationship one thing after another, just all manner of BS and, and just horrible things. Uh so that ultimately ended, um, and then I started, you know, going in and out of jail. Uh, I started going in and out of treatment. Um, I have, like Randy said, my first treatment was in uh, Rocky Mountain Treatment Center, too. And then I even went to the one that Josiah went to, but back then it was Blackfeet Chemical Dependency Center. Um, then I, I I ultimately got a felony. Uh so with the state, I was in and out of all those state-mandated programs, and then I would abscond, and they'd get me and send me back to a treatment program. 
back to the pre-release and this, that, the other, and and through all throughout all of this, I'm like slowly coming to the realization. Like I knew, like the first time I went to treatment, I knew that I was an alcoholic, that I was an addict, that I there that that I was powerless, just because the proof was right in front of me. At that point, I had already uh, uh, split up with my children's mother, and and by or by result of that, I lost my children. Um, you know, and, and it's not that I did not love any of them. I I did. I still do to this day. I love love all of them, all of them, but. Yet I still continue to do the same things. I still continue to use and drink and, and and do all that. So I knew, right? I can't. I couldn't hide from that. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and tell you I'm the smartest person to ever walk the earth, but I'm I'm intelligent enough to know that yeah, I can put two and two together. And yet. I kept on doing it, kept on going, nothing. I mean, like the, the carrot or the stick, it didn't matter. You know, you could you could say, well, if you stop drinking, you'll this will happen and it'll be good. Or if you don't stop drinking, this will happen and it's going to be bad. Neither one of those things would work. And I just kept going. And, and I have ultimately uh, developed... Uh, Depression with separation anxiety. Uh, I didn't even know that was a thing. It's like a form of PTSD or something like that. And I even put that in like, I'm I'm not depressed. But I was. Uh, Keep going, keep going. I ended up losing a a, a brother to um, an alcohol-related incident. And I, I remember I stopped drinking for like about two weeks after that. And then I started up again. For whatever reason. I just started up again. And then I get another felony. Well, I remember thinking, you know, I remember saying, praying one night, saying, you know, please don't take me away from my kids. You know, you know, I didn't want to go back to jail. I didn't want to go back to prison. I, or you know, I didn't want none of that. That's what I was talking about. Like, I don't want to go back to jail. Don't take me from my kids. But I ended up going to jail on December twenty twentieth. So the nineteenth, that night before, is the last time I used. And I remember I had I think two cans of beer and like four or five roaches. So after all that. After all of that, I just kind of went out with a little poof. And uh, the next day they came and got me, and I uh, I never used since. I mean, I was in jail, but I think, you know, looking back, my, my prayers were answered not in the way I would want to because I did not leave. They didn't take me away from my kids um, because I was still alive. And um, it's funny, it just it, like how that all worked out because I, I, I mean, I was at that point where, as soon as I got in there, as soon as I had a few minutes to kind of collect my thoughts, I was like, I'm done. This is it. And it wasn't 
kind of like how Josiah said earlier. It was like it wasn't profound. It wasn't this like aha moment. It was just like, yeah, this is it. I know this is it. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you. All right, okay, so this is my thought at the time. I was thinking, you know, I can't just sit here and say, oh, this is it, and not do anything about it. I got I knew enough to know that I have to actively seek this out. And so that's what I did. I actively sought things out, and it started with my spirituality, and then uh, a lot of reading, a lot of self-discovery, you know, kind of this uh, this journey of self-discovery. Uh, one thing led to another. I probably said this on this podcast before, you know, I'd start reading about biology and then that would turn into neuroscience and then that would go to physics and then physics back to spirituality and then you know it just everything to me seemed to be connected it just kept leading me down these and I was also programming too while I was in there uh drug and alcohol and whatnot and criminal thinking and so all these things that that I was doing and I didn't have to do any of it but somebody told me, you know, you can redeem your time. This doesn't have to be lost time. This doesn't have to be dead time. You can redeem your time. You can get something out of it. And so that's what I decided to do. I made that conscious choice. But in making that conscious choice, I somehow rewired my subconscious mind to start changing because I always talk about core beliefs like I had to change that otherwise it would have been all for naught it's like you can clean your outside of your car and make it look nice and shiny but if you're not taking care of the engine or vacuuming your carpet it's still a shitty car right if you're not taking care of your engine you are in a shit box so that's the way I thought of it um and and so that's yeah and that's where I'm at right now like uh, the one thing that I, I told myself is like, I don't like any of this. This hurts. and I'm scared. I feel alone. Um, I've, I've hurt the ones I love the most and, and, and I don't like it. And so I don't want anybody else to do that either. I don't want anybody else to have to go through that. I don't want anybody else to have to put their families through that, their kids, their loved ones, their spouses, their parents, I don't want any, I I just, I want this to stop. And so I prayed and I said, please help me find a way to help others because I don't want this to happen to me and I sure as hell don't want it to happen to you. And so that's what, that's what I started, you know, uh, gearing myself, you know, that's kind of what I dedicated myself to. Like I got to help in some way, shape or form. Like if I'm just, if I'm, if I'm making coffee at a meeting, then okay, so be it. But fortunately, like God had other plans. He's like, okay, I'm going to make it seem like, oh, it was coincidence. <coughs> Run into these other two guys, have the same idea, have that same drive, have that same fire. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have you run into these two. And then, then I'm going to give you guys a means to get your message out. Start out small. Let me see where you're at. Okay, you guys are serious. Guess what? I'll give you another blessing. Boom. Get some better equipment. Oh, you guys are really, really serious. All right, boom. I'll get you a little more exposure. Boom. 
I'll get you a, a, a nice, safe, warm place to, to do your thing. Boom. I'll get other people talking about you. Boom. I'll get other people listening to you. Boom. It's like these prayers that I've had for so long are just now starting to come to fruition. And I know, and I know I got to wrap it up here, but I'm like, you know, there's, there's so much that we've accomplished in such a short amount of time. And yet there, and I'll be honest, there's times when I feel like I am just treading water or I'm taking two steps forward, one step back, but that's just the way it is. And I think it was Babe Ruth who said, you just can't stop the man who won't give up. And that's the point. That's the point I was trying to make is you can't give up. Don't stop. Just keep moving forward. Find something to get you through that day, that hour, that minute. Find somebody. Find like-minded individuals. And trust me, when you do that, you, it's like you're just gliding along sometimes. Like I always say I'm riding these guys as coattails. It's like I'm just here for the ride. I'm getting drug along, kicking and screaming. Ah, don't take me on that positive red road, mambo to hambo. No, I'm just kidding. But you know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> so, I mean, I mean, in closing, um, my hope is that you guys will hear these stories and you'll hear everything, you know, in all these previous episodes and you'll get something from it and, and you'll use it and you'll go back to it and you'll find your own thing and then maybe you could start helping others in your way. I mean, because that's what this is about. You know, we're giving it away so I can get it back. And I just want to thank you guys for listening. Um, 20 minutes is not nearly long enough for any one of us. Mm. Oh. And uh, so, and I think this is a good idea. And and, I'll, and I will say in five days, it's nine years. Come on. Uh-huh. Nine years? Nine years. It's funny you're trying to hit that applause in the Lulus for myself. It's like, yeah, clap for me. Do the Lulus. You didn't do it. Oh. Yeah. yeah, nine years on, what did you say? Monday? 20th. 20th. Wait, 20th. Is that what it was like, Monday or Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. yeah. Tuesday, because I'm going to a basketball game that night. <laughs> it's on my calendar. Well, yeah. Come with me. We'll celebrate. We'll celebrate with some uh, nine years. Coke, some cokes and some cheeseburgers. Nine donuts. Nine. Some concession popcorn. Some concession popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, I appreciate you guys, man. Thank you for that. Um, man, I was sitting here. I was just engulfed in your guys' stories, and I always. I love listening to stories because I always get something out of it. Some always something different, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I love listening to stories, and I remember that first year of recovery, man. I was, um, I was hitting up as many speaker meetings from different groups. Yeah. Here in Bellings, we have different AA and NA groups, and even, um, yeah, just I just went to speaker meetings a lot. Even the, even the same people. Like I've heard both of your stories before, but still, yeah, hearing it. That's again, what I'm saying. Yeah, that's like, what I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I got learned something new every day. Any closing words for our Speak On It episode? I didn't know your name was Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, JC's a preacher because he closes about five times. 
One of those Pentecostal. Up here. Yeah. yeah. Well, five closings. <laughs> Long winded. When, when, when they're praying uh, right before you eat, and like, come on. <laughs> start winding down, start winding down. But then. <laughs> uh, pray for all the children in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, bro. I'm sorry. Man. I'm you're hungry. You're, you're, and you're, all those other children on the other reservations. <laughs> And we have to pray for our Neanderthal people. <laughs> Neanderthal, before I say some things, I'm going to say some things. <laughs> before I say some things, I want to say some things. <laughs> after I say some things, I want to say some things. This was said about us before. <laughs> Normally we wouldn't say this, but since it was said about us, I'll say it today. <laughs> for young elders. <laughs> I don't usually talk about myself like this, but since it was said about me, I'll say it anyway. <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, shout out to all our unspoken words disciples. Keep spreading unspoken words gospel, yes, Billy Graham style. All oh. our listeners all over Flat Earth. All we appreciate you. We love you. And tonight, oh, man, those are powerful stories. And, man, I just want to close this out in prayer. Is that cool, yo? Yeah. Do this. All right, let's do this right after I say a who, then just hit the ending. Outro. <clears throat> All right. Good. Well, of course. But it did. Just join the cousins. Well, of course. Yeshua HaMashiach. Thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity to come in and uh, share our stories for those out there that are still struggling, those that are walking the red road, those that have come back out. Uh-huh. Father God, you see us. You see our listeners. You see their hearts. You see their circumstance, their situation. I ask that you you meet them. Where, where they're at and help them uh, comfort those that are mourning um, feed those that are hungry spiritually physically um, but then you see us um, um, big go So long, like Elko. The Machbesti, my charges, blogging up to her. Like a chigash, you bought it, dear Gaddish. You got a Scottish for garlic. Aho. Aho. What's up, Hollerich boy? This is your favorite Indian, JCB. Yo, it's Randy B, a.k.a. Pagotti. Yo, Josiah Mo Fire, a.k.a. Mo Hugs Not Drugs. Thanks for tuning in. Peace.